You're listening to the Design Engineering Podcast, where we explore topics important to Canada's mechanical engineers, product designers, and machine builders. I'm Mike McLeod, editor of Design Engineering Magazine, and in part two of this episode on Mechademic Robotics and its Mecha 500 six-axis robot, company co-founder Ilian Bonev explains which applications the Mecha 500 is best suited for, details the challenges of singularities in six-axis robots, and provides a sneak peek of the company's upcoming high-speed scare robot. Before that, though, a word from this episode's sponsor, Misumi Electrical Components. With Misumi, you can discover hard-to-find, cost-effective, and high-quality components that are used across a wide variety of industries, including automotive, food and beverage, medical, warehouse and packaging, and more. Discover everything you need for your machinery to gear up for your next project by visiting MasumiUSA.com. And now, let's pick up where Ilian and I left off from part one. Are there applications that you're finding that this is particularly attractive? Like, are there certain type of customer that has really gravitated to this? Yeah, I would say, you know, we, of course, most of our clients, we just, they, they just, because the robot is simple to use, so they just buy the robot and we never know what they use it for. Uh, but um, I would say, basically, you know, manufacturers of electronics equipment, you can think of um, cell phones, smartphones, or, um, you know, headset, virtual reality headset, or whatever kind of small electronic device. Uh, yeah. And, um, and it's often it's used for testing. Okay. Uh, okay. And, and I would say production testing, not not only like testing once or once in a while, it's really like production testing. Um, because the Mecha 500, probably the only disadvantage is that it's not as fast as some bigger robots, which have big motors, right? So it's, um, it's used often it's used for pick and place, sure. uh, where you need, usually you need a lot of speed, but sometimes you don't need that much speed. The bottleneck is not the pick and place operation, yeah. but yeah. In, in testing, you know, you don't need that much speed. So, um, Testing, I, I see this as a big, uh, also big uh, application. Also, um, lab automation, mm. uh, like we have one case study with Zymergen in uh, California, where they basically, you know, uh, test something for I don't know how many minutes, maybe even half an hour, and then the robot needs to just take the microplate and then put it in some other machine on on a conveyor. So that's, you know, the, the microplate contains stuff that is extremely expensive. And so you don't want to move that very fast anyways. So I uh, just want to displace it from one place to another. So that's lab automation, I would say, is also um, another uh, good application. Um, dispensing like adhesives or uh, also it's, it's, it's a frequent application. Anything that requires like uh, like a, yeah. a very accurate movement, like cutting or laying down glue or yeah, yeah, like uh, sometimes it's really um, it, it's very very accurate, like insertion of uh, something into some kind of tube. Um, sure. So yeah, anything that it's uh, I, I think yeah, most of the applications need precision for sure. Uh, otherwise, they would probably, you know, customers can probably buy something 
something else, something else that much less precise. So obviously they they need the precision, but yeah, it's it's a robot. So anything you need to displace, anything small that you need to displace with uh, high precision, and you don't need to displace this extremely uh, fast. Like I don't know, you you would not use uh, the Mecha Five Hundred for. Uh, Taking uh, cookies from a conveyor and putting it in a box—it's definitely not the you know the best robot for that. Sure. Uh, sure. You would use like a large parallel robot for this. Uh, but if you have like for watchmaking, for example, it's it's uh, it's been used. And watchmaking—it's uh, not making the watch, but like kitting operations where you um, often use with. Uh, there is a company in Switzerland called Azirio. So they make this, you know, shaking, vibrating uh, tables, which uh, with cameras that can be used to uh, instead of vibratory balls. So you you know how the the the, the part is positioned, and then you with the robot you can take it and put it in a in a small kit in a small box. So that's uh, uh, that's one possible application or. Um, even for the assembly of small gears used for uh, for watches. Yeah, so, or, uh, or placing like little chips in a PCB or anything that would take fine motor skill to pull off. Yeah, again, again, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. But you, you won't use this for, let's say we here at, at Macademic, we have um, a pick and place electronics uh, machine for, you know, assembling. So of course this is, is, is crazy how fast it is. You, will, you don't do you. this with uh, any industrial robot. You do this with I specialized machines. Uh, so you anything that doesn't need to be lightning fast, you know, sure, uh, but you need the precision. Do you find that there are there are common challenging aspects, or what the most the problems that most users who would who try to incorporate a six-axis robot into their operations run into? Is there, like we've talked on a little bit about some of them, like your students struggling with proprietary or, or specialty languages just to get it to move. But are there, th are there th common mistakes that people make when they, when they try and implement? Yeah. Them? Yeah. I would say that, um, yeah, of course, you know, being able to, to master the robot, like move it very fast, fast and uh, not be surprised by how the robot moves that's that's mm. a must right so because i i know this from experience you know um some some robots and probably most of them you you know they have a little bit they have very little intelligence okay but the the little <laughs> they have sometimes it's kind of a surprise right you just tell the robot go somewhere okay and then there is a parameter that you will set and you, you say, for example, you can choose whatever configuration you want and then the robot will surprise you, okay? So some people will say, oh, we have this feature and the, then the robot automatically does this and that. So yeah, marketing-wise, this seems nice, but it's actually, you know, the, it's, it doesn't necessarily take the, the optimal uh, configuration to go there. And um, so, so you need to know, and, and you know, one thing I, one thing I don't like, I, like I, I, at Macademic, I'm responsible for all the tech, technical documentation sure. and I really explain everything. There is nothing hidden. And one approach is to just skip the details 
and make like as if it's simple, right? Mm -hmm. But if you do this, then you know users they don't know what to expect. So I, I'd rather tell users, okay, we have a limit, right? If you want to do this or that, then the robots will probably turn in a different direction and so on. So we give all these details so the users can you know expect what what the robot will take as a solution. Sure. But uh, so but this is one thing. The main uh, difficulty in uh, using uh, six-axis industrial robots, and this is no company can find a solution for this. I mean, currently there, and I wrote an article about this, right? Currently, there is a trend. There are a lot of companies um, uh, that uh, promise to make uh, software and uh, hardware to make. Basically, it's a, it's a computer with software that you connect to any industrial robot and you make that robot more intelligent, right? Yeah. So it's it, it definitely uh, looks very promising. Again, it, it, it's good for some application, but it, it doesn't solve everything. And the main difficulty with six axis robots is that um, they are not homogeneous. You know, the, the, um, uh, the performance of the robot is not homogeneous. The workspace yeah. of the robot, like the workspace of the robot, you can, it's not just a, a reach. No, it's a six-dimensional entity, very complex. Uh, everything is coupled. The position and the orientation capabilities are coupled. So it's very, very difficult to know, okay, I want to do this, from take it from here and put it here. Uh, it's very difficult to know where to place this task with respect to the robot and what robot to choose that is able to put the, uh, to make this task it's uh, there is no software that can solve this for you so basically you just try trial and error and most uh, most customers they uh, they haven't had courses in industrial robotics you know so they just for them a robot is just something that picks something and places it somewhere and uh, they i'm sure they kind of get surprised when they the robot says, "Oh, I'm in a singularity." What the hell is a singularity? You know why are it's it's here from here, and I want to go here. It's clearly inside the envelope, whatever that means. Why you are not able to go there? You, you have to teach it. There is no way. No intelligent software will do it for you. Like uh, when you when you make the design of your application, like choosing the right robot choosing the way components um, are placed with respect to robot this can impact uh, well the feasibility of the of the whole application but mm. also the cycle time i've seen so many examples of uh, applications where from time to time the robot passes very very close to a robot uh, to a singularity mm. and which makes the robot very slow Basically, the robot moves very fast. The joints moves, some joints moves very fast, but the end effector moves very slowly. So this means that your cycle time, you maybe you bought some very super fast robots uh, just to make up for your poor design of the uh, uh, of the path, right? right. So, um, <clears throat> so a singularity is, if I understand it correctly, it's it can be very complex. Uh, it's sort of a mathematical 
uh, it gets into the kinematics of the various linkages and their joints lining up in such a way that it makes it impossible for it to follow a particular path. And so it, it could have several different ways of going from point A to point B. Some of them, it can't twist itself, you know, in, it can't turn itself into, some of them aren't available because they, they just, the robot can't do it. Others, like you say, are so close to the singularity that it has to go through all kinds of gymnastics to skirt around that. And some of them may be very diff different and, and would optimize the speed of that path from point A to point B. And it's that understanding, it's that trial and error that allows us to, well, let's try options one through six and see which one works the best. It's, Is it's, that right? It's, yeah, it's kind of a puzzle, you know, it's, uh, there exists, it's not that complex. I mean, there exists okay. an optimal solution and That's I've great. done it with students, but you know, in practice, there is no, nobody will, you know, make such a complex, um, you know, uh, computation just to make sure the cycle time for this and that operation is optimal. So they will probably just make a trial and error. Um, and, uh, and the singularities, it's kind of, um, I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's really a, a physical blockage and it's yeah. not only the singularity. It's like, uh, even if you don't run true singularities, it's still like going from A to B can be much faster if the A and B both positions are kind of moved, shifted, like, I don't know, one inch up or one inch down. I see. So I the see. same A to B can be a little bit faster if you just, you know, rearrange your um, cell. And I can give you another example, you know, something sure, I did sure. with, uh, with my students. Uh, there was um, uh, an inspection uh, with a robot and the robot had to uh, bring a part uh, below uh, a scanner, a 3D scanner, okay? And with, uh, let's say, 20 different orientations, okay? That's the only constraint. And mm -hmm. then let's say a typical uh, robot programmer will just take one first orientation, second orientation, and for each of them, they will just find whatever solution they find. Okay, and then the robot will go once like this, then the other, second, third, three, third times, uh, fourth time. But, you know, from one configuration to the other, each time maybe the configuration is, it's, um, it's very far. It's like it's it's uh, there is a it's similar to the so-called uh, traveling salesman problem, where you have a salesman that has to visit each uh, state only once, one city in each state. But in each state, let's say uh, that salesman can visit up to five, not up to, but uh, any of five different cities. So how do you choose? You know which is the best path? so that right. you know the cycle time is shortest the the sure, travel sure. path is shortest yeah you have the same in robotics but nobody will do this like this kind of calculation because it's complex and it's impossible to think that uh, such a software will exist one day because there are so many different scenarios so again uh, the problem is that probably customers often will just um, have an implementation which is not optimal maybe they will 
buy a bigger robot uh, instead of a smaller one just because it's it's easier you know the bigger the robot the easier it is to go from a to b without you know having this kind of puzzle uh, so obviously if you if you want to go from a to b uh, with a very very small robot you have to optimize everything if you have a huge huge robot and then the a to b is just like 12 inch obviously you know it's very easy gotcha. so you don't have to, to 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 worry much but then you end up with something you know huge like over engineered yeah yeah so are the, there ways of of minimizing or 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 streamlining that that trial and error process i think i unfortunately uh, right now it's still research that's the only way okay. uh, as i said there are different companies that work on uh, this kind of software that makes industrial robots more intelligent. You know, as I said in my articles, uh, there are so many different scenarios that even if such software existed, it would be too complex for the user to work with that software. I so you still, you still need to know about robotics a little bit, at least, at sure. least to be aware of all this um, differences like where you put your parts where you pick your parts where you place them singularities uh the the, the let's say the rigidity of the robots you know the the more the robot is uh, stretched the the less rigid it is and so on so at least people should be designers robot cell designers or the designers of the automated systems they need to be aware of this uh, I don't say they need to, you know, take robotics course. That's probably too much, but um, because often it's probably not that important to optimize your cycle time. But uh, again, if you do not do any optimization and just buy some over-engineering solution, uh, then you uh, at the end you uh, you pay too much. It takes too much space. You you uh, consume much more energy we didn't talk about um you oh, know, right. energy but uh buying a rob a bigger robot means it you consume much more energy mm -hmm. right so ours is like uh on the average is 30 watt wow. and uh so why why consume more if you can do the job with 30 watt you know that's yeah. that's also something that you we need to you know consider yeah and you could use a bunch of them in concert with each other yeah exactly like if you if if uh, your application needs a faster uh faster robot then exactly yeah why you can place two mega 500s helping each other and uh and then again it will be more compact and uh, less consume less energy than a uh, a bigger robot because you know um i had one of these very very big parallel robots in uh, in our lab and yes it was uh very fast probably twice faster than uh the mecha 500 but boy you, you you we needed a huge steel frame which costed like i don't know fifteen thousand dollars to build and even that huge frame it was shaking, you know, the robot was so oh, fast right. yeah. that the whole thing was shaking. So yeah. yeah, okay, you go fast, but then, you know, you can do the same with two robots, two slower robots. 
So people don't sure. think about this. Sure. Yeah, but you'd have to really is... bolt that sucker down. I mean, because there's yeah. a huge amount of mass swinging it's around. Extremely fast. Yeah. Accelerations. Yeah. 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 So you can't put it anywhere. I mean, you really gotta. You, I guess that's why they build applications around robots because they gotta find the right place to anchor the sucker. Right. And yeah. then they build everything around it. Where with this, it's. I mean, obviously you have to attach it securely, but still it's not the same. We're not talking on the same scale anywhere near. So I, I saw that you guys recently had a uh, an agreement with Electromate. There's yes. a distributor for you guys. Um, do you, where's the, where's the biggest uptake? Are you finding a lot of traction in the United States and Canada and Europe? Uh, United States is definitely one of the, the biggest markets for us. And also sure. we are very... Um, I would say thankful for that market because uh, basically when we started the company, you know, the first customers who were willing to try, well, the first was from Quebec, somebody from Montreal, but uh, let's say the others or even companies, uh, they fly in to, to see our robot even before it was built, American mm. companies. Um, so I would probably say that, you know, American businesses are more willing to risk, you know, with a company that is less known, uh, but just to be on the edge, you know, of, um, sure. but now we are more, you know, we, we have proven the reliability of our robot. So we have a lot of applications in Europe as well, mm. uh, less in Asia, less in Asia. So it's, I would say. USA and then uh, Europe, the second market. Sure. And um, you're talking about distributors and distributors are very important for us because, especially for us, because um, uh, we uh, we consider our robot as a component, right? Mm -hmm. So, and yeah. also um, people who uh, use our robot, basically they, they, uh, they, well, sometimes they will probably hesitate between our robot and a bigger one, but more often it will be between our robot and a custom-made system. Oh. And where do you buy custom-made systems? You buy it, you buy the components from distributors of such components. So I Electromate, see. for example, you know, even when I started uh, at, uh, at ETS as a professor, uh, whatever robot I would build, I would buy my robots, my harmonic drive gearboxes from Electromate. So it's kind of normal that people reach, you know, reach out to this kind of distributors and then the distributor will say, oh yeah, of course you can build, you can buy one linear guide like this and then a rotary stage. Or you know what, I, I also have another solution, very interesting, very compact. So uh, for, for specifically for our robot, I think distributors of such uh, components are a uh, very good um, source for uh, for uh, for clients yeah it seems like an important step I, I i commonly run into canadian companies that do amazing innovative things but they're not as good at the marketing and getting the word out and and sort of that part of it and so those partnerships with like an electromate you know and stuff just as a force multiplier for just getting the word out just letting people know that it exists and what it can do and having a sales force at your at your disposal like that. Anyway, what are the what, what plans are there plans for what's coming down the road? I mean, just generally, I, I'm not trying to get like a scoop or anything. I know that you guys have a uh, Scara robot, you know? Yeah, so yeah. So two um, D robot is instead of a three D one. Yeah. So, so there... yeah, we as, as I told you in many applications, people will just buy 
uh, the Mega 500 uh, just to make XYZ and maybe a rotation about the vertical axis. Sure. Yes, and uh, these kind of customers often they need uh, faster uh, motions. So for them, we designed the Scara robot, uh, which is again the same form factor, very small. Uh, but the difference is that it's also very very fast. I just um, we just had a demo of it, and it's really fast, very very fast. How does one quantify fast in in Scare robots or, or regular robots or just robots in general? Is yeah, it just like a... yeah, basically, yeah, basically, I wouldn't tell you know numbers yet, but basically, oh. uh, I needed to uh, to film it in slow motion, you know, with okay. my cell phone. Otherwise, we were not sure what the trajectory is. You know, you don't okay. see. Okay. It's so fast, you don't see. So is the Scarab robot something that people can buy now, or is that simply just is it, that in the works? It's in the works, but it's, uh, it's really a matter of months, I would say. It's, uh, right. We need to be sure that it's, uh, it's perfect. Because, that, because, I mean, the Mecha 500, there are a lot of units that are used, you know, 24 hours a day. Uh, but there are also many units that are used for tests, so maybe not, sure. you know, um, uh, whereas a, a Scarra robot, you, you buy this to, to, to move it fast and to move it all the time. You don't move yeah. this you know, from time to time. Sure. So obviously we need to run a lot of tests before uh, starting, you know, to, to sell this. Right. And, and this is something we, we are now much more careful because the first time we you know, came up with the Mecha 500. Um, obviously, like any company, it was not as perfect as now. Uh, sure. But we are no longer, you know, a small startup. So whatever we do it, we want to now be able to, you know, be sure that it, it can run, you know, months and months and no problem. So yeah, the Great. tests are much more extensive than it, uh, let's say, four years yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah, just beating on it and seeing how long it what it's exactly, yeah. MTB would be. Great. Um, is there anything else that you think that's important that we didn't get to or that uh, I didn't wouldn't know to ask? No, I think like the main subject is again, uh, and we, we don't talk much about it, but it's oh. the, the design. I mean, the, in uh, in general, not in the, this podcast, but it's the is the design of uh, automated systems. And that's that's something that I think we need um, more more education like even if i look at my university we teach we have industrial robotics courses we even i we even have a course on um, uh, industrial robot cells how to program them i see but there is nothing about how to you know uh, design automated system and it's it's you, you cannot teach this is basically you know experience but still there are some parts that can be you know better explained and um that, that's something i my role at academic is also like trying to explain singularities trying to explain why you know euler angles how to 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 know what an euler angles is is not to say oh your robot has a bug no it's not a bug it's normal these are <laughs> this is you know a, a property of euler angles I so see. I uh, like many comes, companies they just you know here is the robot and it's easy to use but I yes. we also try to educate uh, people how to use the robots because robots will never be like a magical you know solution you need to know how to to use them optimally 
Right. And that's a, that's another component of the website. And I think that's something that is unique in that it has a name that's very similar to your company name. I don't want to mispronounce no, it's, it. It's uh, Macademy. 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 Yeah. Right. And stuff. And so a lot of these articles uh, that we've referenced, you know, about singularities, Euler angles, um, the realities of what's possible and, and sort of best practices about how to avoid certain certain problems yes. are all sort of detailed there. And I think that's important to let people know that uh, that's uh, a resource that's available on, on your guys' website. Yeah, basically, if you search, if you Google uh, robot singularities or Euler angles, that's the first thing you come come up gotcha. yeah. Great, great. Well, thanks again for uh, joining us. I appreciate uh, you taking the time with us. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us for part two of this episode. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to subscribe to the podcast or check out the podcast tab on our website at design-engineering.com for the latest episodes. Finally, this episode was brought to you by Masumi, your one-stop shop for electrical components. Configure your components at masumiusa.com. Mm-hmm.